Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And today we are looking at the new film Miller's Girl, and we will also be talking about the Academy Award nominees. Uh, if you missed it, nominations dropped on Tuesday, very early on Tuesday morning. Uh, we've had a couple of days to sit and think about them, uh, but some interesting choices to be sure. Uh, it seems fitting because it's an interesting film that we have this week. Um, yeah. Of all the films released in January, this was one of them. <laughs> Dive right in uh, to Miller's Girl, which, um, you know, I think it made some festival debuts at the end of 2023, but it's finally getting a wide release in it. It's set in a small town in the middle of Tennessee uh, where just a simple 18-year-old girl named Cairo Sweet, you know, because that's a name people have. Uh, normally, mm-hmm. played by Jenna Ortega, uh, is <clears throat> something of a loner. She's on a rundown palatial estate in this area. Her parents seem to be permanent exiles working abroad in Europe, leaving her on her own devices. She doesn't even have like a Weird. housekeeper or anyone checking in on her that we've seen. And she is pretty smart. Um, a pretty well read, but also something of a loner. And she's having trouble uh, completing her college entrance essay. Um, and she's just started what must be second semester of high school. They don't really say that they're like, you weren't here last semester. And so I guess we're left to assume it's second semester, which also doesn't jive with college applications. But I don't know if this was a movie or that really... Not detailed uh, about facts or a realistic society. Um, So she jumps into this English class and I have to be honest, I thought it was college until we get there. And then it turns out it's high school. It doesn't look like a high school I've ever seen. Uh, They are quick to point out that she is 18, um, which probably helps a little bit with the story that they're about to undertake. Uh, But she jumps into Jonathan Miller's English class that's played by Martin Freeman He is a published author, but he hasn't written anything in a long time. Now he's kind of a teacher. He has one other friend who's a teacher who's uh, somehow the physics teacher and the baseball coach, um, but likes to hide the fact that he's smart and bakes um, details. Maybe we need it. Uh, His wife is a published author and somewhat of a lush uh, from everything that we've seen. She also doesn't seem to... Uh, really like him that much, but they have some weird back and forth Tennessee Williams level um, interactions uh, that are curious. The lady also really doesn't believe in buttoning a shirt or even wearing a shirt. A lot of a lot of open robe uh, sequences in this. But little Cairo Sweet and her friend decide that they want to bag high school teachers for reasons that are never entirely made clear. Uh, And she sets her sights on Professor Miller, who had taken a shine to her because of her literary prowess. Uh, And then things kind of go further off the rails there. I'm going to say this movie had all the energy of a romance novel you would buy at the checkout stand at the grocery store brought to the big screen. And yet it has a pretty impressive cast. Um, you know, I liked Gideon Adlon, who plays her, her friend Winnie. I like Dagmar Dominic, who uh, played his wife. Um, 
There were some interesting performances. There were at times some interesting dialogue that I found it's shot really beautifully, uh, which is uh, kind of impactful. Really beautifully. But really carefully. All in service of a story that is really weird. And I think there were sequences that you're not supposed to, that were supposed to have been part of her imagination, but it's not always incredibly clear. It's uh, Jade Halley Bartlett. It was the writer director here. I think J Jade Halley Bartlett, the director was let down a little bit by Jade Halley Bartlett, the writer. Um, Cause the story, including the weird place that we end up, doesn't totally work for me, but some of the elements, this was a, a hard movie for me because at times I was like, oh, this is a tragic train wreck. And at times I'm like, well, these guys are kind of good. I'm, I'm kind of into it. So I'm giving it a mild thumbs up for the experience and for the performances of Jenna Ortega and Martin Freeman and this cast. But I wouldn't say it was good or that I totally understood what they were trying to achieve. Well, I'm going to take a stab at it. Um, I have a different take on what the plot of this movie is. Um, I would say that this is the story, a, a story that does two confusing things. One, it, it decides to flip-flop who the protagonist is and who you're aligned with. And it does so, I think, at a crucial point in the movie where they blur the line between what actually happened and what maybe only subjectively happened in the minds of the characters. And that's their kiss. I believe at that point, the baton is passed from Jenna Ortega to Martin Freeman. And from that point on, we're watching the subjective reality of his life. And from before that point, we are watching the subjective reality of her life. I think the plot of this movie is that Jenna Ortega, Cairo Sweet's friend, are, both of them are just becoming adults and exploring body sexuality in a way that I thought was very thoughtful and something I thought was missing from Mean Girls. And they have a few discussions about like having this weird sense of agency, but still being so young and what they want out of partners and all these kind of things that are in a way winking at the audience in a way that makes you uncomfortable. And I thought I was... I was really interested in what was going on, but I was dreading that this was going to turn into a The Graduate style romance. And it didn't because this is not that. This is the story of Jenna Ortega starting the movie by asking, what does it mean to be an adult? Go through this bizarre sense of her first adult relationship. Determine what she believes is special about herself and see success as herself fully becoming a voice and a writer to be listened to in a way that she sort of resents in him. But it's so not clear cut, I think in a good way. I think it, I think that my problem is that in some ways, Jenna Ortega being called out by her friend for what she's doing to Martin Freeman's character is like a jab at like, you want to think that your life is this operatic romantic gesture, but really you're just bitter that he didn't leave his wife for you. And I think that is sort of calling her out for the reality that is outside of her bubble of romance. And I think Martin Freeman also has this idealized sort of bubble of romance and that bursts when he tries to draw a line after he's gone a little bit too far. And 
shut down the relationship from going in a more inappropriate direction. You still got to squirm because you got to flirt with the idea that, that Jonathan Miller, Martin Freeman is attracted to Cairo, but the choice to end the movie with her triumphant reading of herself as a writer and her confronting him and this, this undergoing theme of like spiders and, and nature and what we do to each other. And I see you and you see me and I'm not a ghost anymore. The fact that we didn't veer into what is going to be the outcome of the court case, I think says that this was more Jenna Ortega's coming of age story and Martin Freeman's reawakening of what he wants in his life. But it is a tragic romance style of doing that. And I, I think I like absurdly enjoyed almost every like other than some of the squirmy parts uh almost every second of film visually that was there i do think some sequences were edited in a way that it felt like they just worried about how the picture would be pretty but didn't think about blocking for how people were talking so like when they're in the diner talking to each other there's a lot of quick cuts between people talking but um i i just this is a movie that handles a difficult subject in a way that I think movies sometimes do best by raising a bunch of subject matter and allowing you to come to your own conclusions about it. But I do ultimately think it dehumanized Jenna Ortega's character and dehumanized Martin Freeman's wife's character. Dagmara Dominic, Jenna Ortega... I do feel like by the end of the movie, I got this sense that, like you said, uh, what is the the coach's name? Bashir Saladin. Bashir Saladin. You know, he was really good too. But there would be another place I have real questions because he, so almost the entire third act, Martin Freeman spends his time getting really vicious lectures from everyone in his life, starting with mm -hmm. Jenna Ortega, who mm -hmm. tears him a new one, and then his friend, mm -hmm. who sort of tears him a new one and says, you know, I know what I'm doing. I walk up to the line, and I'm fine. But he was, like, more proactively in it Engaged with this other with, yeah. girl. And I found his behavior a little more dubious. Concerning. And then he just gets, like totally destroyed by his, his wife, wife who at first seemed really into see, the whole thing in a weird graphic way. Yeah. And he spends well, almost the entire movie. You see him sexually frustrated, you know, both in his. That's, that's my problem is she's kind of, she's kind of his sexual frustration. And then she's kind of his person who knows him. Like she's kind of behind a curtain. And like you said, we get to know, the coach as a baker, as a guy who sets weird, bizarre limits, what his relationships are like, what his aspirations are. We know him as a person, but even Jenna Ortega, who starts as the main protagonist of the movie by the end, all we're getting is operatic readings of her, her, her sort of romanticized world. And like this idea that she's, um, she's pulling very, strings behind the scenes. She's very vicious and yeah. self-isolating. Even, it's not just to him, though. I mean, she destroys uh, Winnie too. Gideon Anlon's. Oh my gosh! That she, I mean, she she mm -hmm. uses her in the most base way, and then mm -hmm. just blows her right out of the 
right out yeah. of the water. And that, you know. I feel like this got put in January because everyone is like, there's no way people are going to digest this for an Oscar contender. This is not for blockbuster season to compete with anything. But this is, well, and it is this also is not a movie unsettling. Now, had I still maintain, I know the age, the age difference is always going to be the age difference. But were sure. they college professors? This almost would have made a little bit. And also, well, so <laughs> I don't think you're it. It felt to me the film that purposely never answers the question of whether or not that kiss actually happened. That, that, but I, you know, I his kind protestations of kind of make you think he's saying it didn't, and it could have been part of the larger fantasy. And I would and have taken him more didn't. seriously as shutting things down and doing that line if you didn't see the scene of him and his oh, personal geez. actions while he's reading, which was by far to me the most uncomfortable that's where i almost shifted yeah. to i'm gonna i am gonna have to pan this because i i'm i'm totally out and then you get a little bit of a reversion and his indignance about her misreading him and his signals is becomes a little more fake well, that's the thing and, if you and, don't have that scene of him in private with no one around for him to bounce off of the judgment. And, and Martin Freeman is unbelievable. I think yeah. the performances all around are unbelievable, but like if you don't have that scene, I don't think you would able to be 100% sure that he didn't just like, Oh, I really like you academically and I'm really inspired by you. And then maybe he like w with the, with the idea of the kiss being like in question, there's the sharing of the cigarette, but I feel like once he went into full denial and shutdown mode, it would be very easy to believe him and see it as him just being persecuted. I think it's important that you see this very self-indulgent private admission of guilt in his attraction and, and I, his infidelity. I feel like what they're trying to tell you too, from almost the jump it, with her reading Henry Miller and them talking about Henry Miller style and her writing a Henry Miller style is that this movie is also meant to be a Henry Miller style audacious, you know, all yeah. the things they talk about, about breaking conventions and doing things that are uncomfortable and pushing the boundaries. Those are all things they tried to do with the film. I just don't, there are parts of it that really work and there are parts of the visuals I found very impressive. Some of her walking through the fog, some of the way that they shot these sequences, some of the tight mm -hmm. shots on their faces and during these sequences, so even some of the shots they do with Dagmar Dominic as his wife, they really work, but it's all in service of something that, you know, we got to the final ending place. And actually when she's reading that essay, which I don't know if it's meant to be profound. I actually laughed a little bit out loud. Mm, well, she she's I was so... her greatest accomplishment. It. Yeah. It's farcical. I don't know if they meant it to be, though. Well, I think that's why the coach's character is there. I think he he's the only person who treats that same relationship dynamic with a certain winking kind of this is absurd kind of thing. And, and it's like a kind of a mirror, like a like a funhouse mirror reflection of, of what's going on. But with Jenner he, and him. He's also not in a, none of these people are in a position to take a moral authority position. And yet three of them no. try to against Martin yeah. Freeman in the third act. And that's part of what 
troubles me. I mean, John Ortega's character definitely has her own issues, but when his his friend and co colleague lectures him on going too far in inappropriate relationships after everything you've seen i'm like pot meat kettle what are you even <laughs> doing you can't yeah. be taking the moral high ground here you don't have a leg to stand on you know when yeah. you're when you're below sea level you can't claim to understand the mountaintop and that that probably lost it the most and then there was nothing there was a lot of coying back and forth with him and his wife but there was nothing that made me prepared for the level of vitriol that comes out in that one sequence. And you're kind of left on that. Um, you know, did there, you're, there's a vague in Jenna Ortega's recounting uh, that their marriage imploded, but who knows if we're to believe her, you know, you also see them still together in the house. So did what, it really, what do you think happened in the end? Well, he obviously lost. What, what would you? And he okay. you're supposed to believe that he got his creative spark back, right? As a writer, or was trying to recapture. I guess he's staring at the blank page, so you don't know if he was ever able to put anything down. See, yeah, I, I'd like I'd like to think that he basically learned like if I don't make a change in my life, then my life is going to continue to steamroll me. Even the people that I think I'm. are safe or not safe. And so I have, he just fully committed to becoming a writer, but I also, I think she got what she wanted out of her writing. I don't think she would actually go in and accuse him. I think what, what he's, what is being questioned about him is whether or not he is, uh, has engaged in, in inappropriate, like power balance and, and, and like, they they never explicitly state what he is accused of doing just that she sent in this paper and he uh went to give her special treatment and allow her to do the midterm early and then is failing her for it because of the content it's this suggestion uh -huh. that there's this but actually you see the vice principal ask her questions but you don't hear her answers you only hear well you, we know she said that Nothing happened in the moment where they're supposed to kiss that she didn't think was appropriate. That was her response to that. And so if that is going to be the answer that she gives in a court setting, I, I feel like she's just interested in how these events are going to define her as an adult. Well, that wasn't court. Not... It was just school board because no, they're the very careful board. when they say 18. They're legally, you know, ethically, yeah. morally you could say a lot, yeah, but legally that's what I'm saying. He was never incredibly yeah. in jeopardy. And maybe that's, maybe that's the moral position his friend, the coach is trying to take is, Hey, they're 18. They can do it. And also that girl would not have been allowed to serve drinks at a restaurant. Tennessee may oh. have a looser interpretation of the law, but they're pretty sure no state allows minors to serve alcohol. If he had not said Tennessee is so hot, I would not be sure where this takes place. Oh, she, I, I she sort of love this Tennessee in the beginning. The opening okay. monologue she okay. talks about. Then I missed that, but Tennessee. I was thinking like and they talk Canada. about Vanderbilt all the time. Okay, okay, Vanderbilt cool. So there's big, more context clues, but like guy. I don't know, the aesthetic of this movie with the whole like 
southern gothic kind of Victorian, like out of the bug shots and spiders. I don't know the wooden books oh, everywhere. Right. The, the state, like sort of location, time, reference to reality. None of the, all those things are a little bit fluid, but I. It's not. It was definitely an interesting Anyways, film. You can't. I I have a strong thumb up. If we can somehow like highlight like a difference there, just because I feel like there is so much to get out. If you're thinking of like watching a movie, is it going to invest you or entertain you or do something? I feel like you can't walk away from this saying that you don't have something worth thinking about. Because even if you're just like in a position where I don't like where that took me emotionally, it's still going to make you learn about yourself and make you decide where you stand on some issues. And I know I'm being, I don't, I, I think it this year. into the, the Fifty Shades of Grey level of. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, but, but it, it is very campy. But like, um, I think this year I'm going to have to set, adjust my bar. Yeah. Because. I I am I'm way too hyped and looking at all of the trailers for movies coming out like what is that love dies yeah. bleeding the one with um love lies Kristen bleeding, Stewart yeah. love lies bleeding everything to me looks fantastic I feel like I don't That's know be, again it's because you didn't have to see Night Swim <laughs> that was the key I just skipped out you had you started no. Night Swim you know you would have moderated your expectations we just we ended up in radically different places. <laughs> That's the curse of like for this whole year at minimum. It's always going to be that I rated a little better because I didn't see Night Swim. <laughs> you have just a little more light in your heart. Now, I mean, like I said, this was probably a movie I went back and forth throughout. The, it's only a 90 minute yeah. movie. I went back and forth quite a few times. Like, yeah. Oh, this is awful. Oh, you know what? This this one more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I can't I can't rock with this. Oh, wait, I'm I'm kind of happy. And then I don't know how I feel, but it's probably not terrible. So that's kind of where I ended up. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, it's kind of okay, but not terrible. It's time to talk about the Oscar nomination. That's a great On summary. Tuesday, January 23rd, we got the Oscar nominations. The Oscars will come out live on Sunday, March 10th. Uh, when we get a little bit closer to the Oscars, we will, uh, Eric and I will probably make some of our predictions uh, the week before, uh, on the Sunday before. We'll, we'll talk about Dune, which will either be great or not, and we'll make our Oscar predictions. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, nominations. I'm going to go over the the 10 oh, for Best Picture. We can get up really to like 10, um, and this year we got 10. Uh, American Fiction, Barbie, Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, The Holdovers, and The Zone of Interest. Two of those kind of foreign language films. France actually declined to put Anatomy of a Fall up for international feature. They chose instead to yeah. go with The Taste of Things, which I actually thought was a better film. But neither of them ends up getting in the international feature. A lot of people have wondered why didn't Anatomy of a Fall also end up in the international feature. It's because it wasn't actually eligible. Nations can only put forward one film. And do you know which nation put forward the zone of interest? It is the United uh, Kingdom. Uh-huh. So, okay. yeah, everybody says, oh, that was the German entry. It was not. The German entry is the Teacher's Lounge, which actually made the field of international uh, films. Uh, that was 
The international feature uh, group I thought was interesting. Uh, my favorite documentary last year was still um, the Michael J. Fox documentary. It did not make the final field. Animation was an interesting one. We got kind of populist films like uh, Spider-Man, Elemental, uh, The Boy and the Heron. But we also got kind of off-the-wall choices like Robot Dreams, which I've actually seen because that was part of the neon end-of-the-year package. But I was shocked that made the field. And Nimona, Nimona, which I thought had lost a ton of momentum from earlier in the year that that picks up. But you don't have kind of more populist, popular things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which so many people loved. Wish, Wish. which I thought was yeah. one of the big Disney ones, which I love, which is now out on VOD, and I purchased it off Voodoo and watched it again the other night, and it was still fantastic. So some interesting choices, as always. Oppenheimer led the way with 13 nominations. Poor Things had 11 nominations. Probably the most uh, interesting, Barbie, ends up with eight total nominations. Greta Gerwig yeah. in the script category, but does not get a individual nomination as director. And Margot Robbie does not make the final field of five in the actress category. I have to say both but of Ryan those Gosling were a real does. bummer to me. I, you know, I'm not willing to take shots at Ryan Gosling. I thought he was good. No, I don't think there's anything wrong field. with Ryan Gosling. I feel but... bad for him and America Ferrera because I thought both of them should be nominated. And I was thrilled they were nominated. And there's been a lot put on them because two other people weren't nominated. They weren't responsible yeah. for the nominations. No, I don't think they were. I just think it's very bizarre and, and says something about the people judging the movie to take a look at the movie and decide what merited an award out of it like i don't get me wrong I, I i do think about ken a lot more because it's a lot more of a property that there was no expectation or understanding of and yeah and they turned it into something iconic and and there's so much like it's all over culture and like it, it, it made a big deal it's not like the property of barbie changed as like an icon as much as like ken did or anything like that but for greta gerwig to not get direction for that like i don't know just like yeah. once you are serving like once you are when, once you're praising the performances of a movie i feel like you have to give hard consideration to the direction of that movie to to not nominate it that that is like Mar Margot Robbie is, is one thing I think she should have, but Greta Gerwig not being nominated. I, I feel like there was some bar where they said, eh, we've already na nominated it for so many number of other times. And then just like missed something. It's very weird. Well, yeah, probably I was most disappointed if we were talking about the director field to see her left out and Celine song, who I thought did mm -hmm. a beautiful job uh with past lives i know both of them are in the the screenplay competition but um you know i wouldn't say in either case that's a lock barbie went through kind of a weird they made them shift to being an adapted screenplay just because the dolls exist which i i find a little bit uh frustrating and i would say that adapted category is going to be a little bit um you know, it's going to be a little bit tough, too, because I loved the the script in American fiction and the the script and the dialogue and the writing from Poor Things and Oppenheimer, which is the, you know, it's it feels like a lot of people have thought that we were maybe cruising toward Oppenheimer 
being kind of a sweep at the Academy mm-hmm. Awards and watching how these nominations fell, you felt like I, I at least I felt like Barbie was probably its biggest competition, and the way the nominations kind of shook out makes you gives you a moment of pause. You do sometimes get where a director wins and then something else wins Best Picture. We've also seen, notably with a movie like Argo, where the you know their director Ben Affleck got left off of the directing field, and a lot of people were so frustrated about that it carried potentially some momentum toward it winning Best Picture. So maybe that would be interesting. But there have been a lot of reports that had come out that I had kind of dismissed until we saw these nominations that some Academy members didn't think Barbie was a serious movie. And if that's really the case, I don't know what movie they saw. Um, It was just my sheer delight to see America Ferreira, who delivers to me one of the most gut punch monologues of the year in that film, Barbie get nominated. And then, uh, you know, I felt really bad though for Margot Robbie. I'm a little, I thought Nyad was okay. It got so much more traction from the Academy really Awards did. than I was expecting. I don't feel like people were talking about it a lot. Netflix, actually, its entire slate did remarkably well. Coleman Domingo getting in for Rustin, both sure. Annette Benning and uh, Jodie Foster Jody getting Foster. in for Nyad. Maestro got seven Academy Award nominations, including in the um, actor and actress category. And that didn't seem like that was a a lock before you even had like eclectic Netflix films like Nimona getting into the animated field El Conde, which is kind of a little film that I don't think I heard anyone talking about getting in the cinematography field. So it was just a very, um, you know, it was a very strong year for Netflix. And I have to tell you, they have an incredible marketing arm as somebody who gets to be part of that now. So I don't know if that they, you know, they do a great job of pushing and promoting their films. There any other kind of surprises or nominations you really like? Um, um, I think there was actually. Oh yeah. uh, Sterling K Brown supporting actor. Um, I've seen him in a lot of movies and I used to know him. He's like this minor character actor as a guy who chews gum a lot. He always seems to be part of a team like in predators where he's a guy who's just, you know, kind of chewy. I don't know. It's, it's, I've always recognized him and I've been like, that's the guy that is part of government and chews gum. And like, he, I loved him in American fiction and I get like the recognition for that. I was really excited about um, um, yeah, the original score, uh, like I know bottoms was probably not going to be considered, but, uh, across the spider verse, I think they, they mentioned this in, um, in Ricky's stream of the award nomination. Someone was like, the original score was like nothing. And I do, I just remember, I didn't, not a single movie listed in that category that I've seen. Could I even like remember the tone of something from it. Like I, I, th- I think was May, December, one of them. Cause I think a bunch of people rag on that score. I don't remember. No. So I'm going to say, um, so Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny is kind of interesting. Oh, right. I feel like it treads, uh, a lot on 
um, kind of past ones. American Fiction, you're right. I don't well, remember the score incredibly. Killers of the Flower Moon had kind some of. decent music. Oppenheimer's score, though, I thought was really strong. And I'm actually going to say Poor Things. That's probably a matter of taste. You either, to me, that was a score, mm. much like May, December, you probably either loved it because you thought it fit with the aesthetic they were going for, or mm. it hit you and took you out of the film because it's definitely noticeable. So I wasn't so surprised that it got in. I don't totally remember the score from American fiction, but the things I remember about American fiction have more to do with the, the writing. And I'm thrilled Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown got in. I will say, I think Dial of Destiny was nominated because John Williams had retired after doing it. That's my just gut. But now that he's not retiring and is coming back to do more. Like, it's an Indiana Jones movie that has an Indiana Jones score. I'm not saying the music is bad, but like... No, I I love the music in it, but... In terms of originality, I don't know. Right. Um, I will say I was kind of pleasantly surprised by a couple of the choices in the international film field. Um, I saw a whole bunch of international features because it's privileged to get a bunch of different screeners. And there were ones that everyone was talking about. Zone of interest. I'm not shocked that it got in there. That seems to be a polarizing film, too. You either are really haunted by what they chose to do or it didn't work for you. But... The Teacher's Lounge, which is the actual submission from Germany. I actually really liked that film. Um, that was part of the Sony slate. I didn't know what to think of it when I when I started, but I really got into it. This teacher who gets pulled into this kind of uh, crisis and some of the things. A really good lead performance, some really emotional moments. And then Wim Wenders' Perfect Days, which was the submission from Japan, is a very quiet film about a guy who just who like cleans public toilets that's his job and you're following him a lot of times on his job and he likes to sit in the park and look at trees and draw them and he likes classic rock that he listens to on cassette tapes and it just is a very peaceful movie that then has some very strong emotional beats and moments uh and i really enjoyed it for what it was. And I was kind of excited to see that's another one like neon knocked it out of the park with some of their um, zone of interest uh, is a 24, but anatomy of fall was neon um, that perfect days robot dreams, which is a little film uh, origin, which we talked about last week. So they had a really strong year. Um, probably their biggest market one Ferrari didn't get anything, ones. but yeah, nothing, but you know, they had a lot of films in there that that hit with audiences that I thought they did a really oh, good job marketing. And they brought the up the year. Uh, somewhere in the list, I I saw someone brought up Napoleon, and that's a huge disappointment. <laughs> well, and Napoleon getting a couple, like, I don't know uh, what to make of that. I was also interested, like, American Symphony was uh, a big push from Netflix for documentary it didn't make documentary but it got in the original song category um which is interesting i was kind of a little bit surprised about flame and hot that was a movie that uh, you know i thought was interesting that came out in the beginning part of the year uh got its got in for best original song that was kind of a cool uh nod and then godzilla minus one which is now minus none of us for viewers because i actually have seen it getting in the uh 
best visual effects category. Um, that was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. So there, you do get a variety of, of little movies uh, that made their mark that are at least going to get uh, some nominations. I've been working my way through some of the shorts um, and some of the documentary shorts, and there are some beautiful stories in there too. So encourage people to go out and check out some of these movies. Yep. Use it as a to-do list. Yep. But don't stress yourself out. Well, and this is the time of year where a lot of these things are now going to come to theaters. You can be on the lookout. I think almost all of the best picture nominees are back in most areas uh, mm -hmm. in theaters. They will also most theaters like our theater chain here. They do a little pass you can purchase where you can end up going to see all the different Best Picture nominees over the next month. The documentary uh, shorts and the live action shorts and the animated shorts usually come out in a block a couple of weeks before the Academy Awards. You can purchase tickets to go That's see awesome. those in theaters. So uh, a chance to check out some of these films. Cool. Well, with that, we will uh, wrap up for the week. Next week, we will be back with Matthew Vaughn's Argyle which uh, I'm actually excited about. Mm -hmm. February is going to be... Well. February is going to be a big month. We'll have Argyle. And then, uh, just so you guys know, we will not be doing a live show on February 11th. There's this tiny, tiny event called yeah. the Most Super people Bowl. don't know about it. I, I don't know if uh, a lot of people watch it. Uh, everyone in Kansas Although, City will be watching because the freaking Chiefs advanced. I also wonder how would you think about when we come back opening with a segment on the Super Bowl trailers that drop? Oh yeah, because that is, I am definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, it's like a movie event every year, and I think people yeah. don't usually talk about it. We should set aside like Super Bowl trailer drops. And well, just, like, when we come yeah. back from uh, when we come back from that Super Bowl break, we'll have not only Lisa Frankenstein but Madam Web will have come mm -hmm. out. So. A couple of yep. good uh, good releases come out in January. And then I don't know if you noticed, but on the official release schedule, uh, Sony blinked and moved the Ghostbusters away from Godzilla. So now they are not on the same oh, wow. week and they are back. They That's moved Ghostbusters up a week. Oh, hey. Yep. You know what? You know what? I'm still going to say like most mid movies of the year prediction, but I don't know if they're moving movies up a week. It's usually either a dumb move or it's a move that someone has confidence that word of mouth is going to increase buzz. Like they, they well, want people to pick that. These and movies then, now on either side of what is going to be most people's spring break. Oh, I see. Okay. So they, well, that doesn't change spring break movies. I don't know. I just get the feeling that that movie is not doing what most blockbusters do by like showing you the greatest hits of what's in the movie. I feel like there are surprises that maybe are not already. I don't, I don't feel like I've already seen it. Because I literally seen haven't trailers. even seen a trailer for Godzilla. I think the first trailer for that is supposed to yeah. be one of our Super Bowl trailers. Yeah. So I don't know. They, Gods those are an Godzilla X Kong. I guess they're just like, we don't really have to market it. People are going to go. And you know what? They're probably not wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. But, I mean, March has Dune, Ghostbusters, Godzilla, X-Kong. Uh, February has Madam Web. Uh, it's Lisa just Frankenstein, Argyle. I mean, it used to be you had like this dead period a little bit until you hit like the end of April and then summer had some big ones and then you had. But the last few years, they're spreading the, they're spreading the web out. They're spreading yep. it out. So should be fun. Well, that'll big do year. it for this week. You guys uh, 
Have a great week, and we will see you next week talking about Argyle. Until then, we'll see you at the movies. Go watch all the movies.